0: America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
1: important thing is not the kind of the sitting but how the mind is just to bring your mind home you see to turn your mind inwardly it's just bringing your mind home and just being spacious this is actually very spaciously taming the mind Commit not a single unwholesome action, cultivate the wealth of virtue. To tame this mind of ours, and this is Buddha The most important is tame this mind of ours. Taming the mind. Taming, training the mind. Because at the moment, what happens is mind is not, it's wild. It's just out of control. you can work the mind you can transform it so much so that when you do that there is nothing negative negativity no longer exists if you remove the negative. then you reach a certain level then everything is positive even seeing in obstacles whatever is always First is just being spacious. Then when you come to know the teachings more, the awareness, the understanding, the wisdom and the compassion become that spaciousness. Spaciousness becomes the nature of your mind. Spaciousness is the natural great peace. The spaciousness is the peace of mind. The spaciousness is the wisdom. Spaciousness is the compassion. no longer have power or they no longer they no longer are a problem.
0: Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Sogyal Rinpoche on Spaciousness from the Heartbeat Monique Rhodes album. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope your heart and mind are in a balanced state. I know that really, I think what we're really trying to achieve is just balance. Enough going outside of yourself and enough staying inside of yourself. It's a balancing act, knowing when to speak, when not to knowing when to see enough and when to just close your eyes and become detached, knowing when to be fully, fully engaged and at the same token, releasing and letting go. And all of that, if we can practice it over and over and over again, we begin to feel as if we're moving into a space of success emotionally, mentally, relationships, finances. It starts to work out if... For some reason we're following those universal laws accurately, they begin to reveal that um, there is success when things are working out for you. And when things just aren't aligned and you don't feel the successes there, it also gives us a window to go inwards and ask the self some serious questions with the openness to learn and to grow and to make changes. Sometimes it feels safe to just keep doing the same thing with the same people. And then there's also an opportunity for growth, bringing the same people and the same things with you. Think about it. To keep expanding your capacity and to keep expanding what we might call our comfort zone It's really a balancing act. It's the way of the soul. It is the way in which we can um, grow and definitely invite more abundance internally, externally. It's all connected to some universal concept. And if we have enough knowledge about a certain thing, we can find that the proof of that is things go in alignment, things function, things are working. I feel pretty confident about how to make a decision here, how to deal with my finance, You know what things to get, when thing, what things not to get. So this is the age that we're in. It's it's so profound. Now, nowadays, we're hearing a lot about the economy in America is doing much better than it has in decades. And I'm sure it is for many individuals that seem to know how to move money, how to understand money. And if we can gain more insights into this particular genre, then we can be a part of that rather than to be the ones that maybe are just living paycheck to paycheck or just struggling to pay the rent or to pay bills, to sort of understand how to make investments and to feel confident about investments, even though we know everything is a risk. But still, if I can just gain some, a little bit more insights in understanding the law of money, maybe my life will be a whole lot easier. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome our guest, Shelley Lombard. Shelly has over 30 years of experience on Wall Street, and after earning her MBA in finance from Columbia University, Shelly joined the Leveraged Buyout Group at Citibank and worked on what was, at that time, the largest leveraged buyout in history. She spent the next 25 years specializing in investing in high-yield bonds and value stocks, and she invested money on behalf of Wall Street firms, including Chase Manhattan Bank, Barclays, and several hedge funds. But during the General Motors bankruptcy, if you remember that, Shelley was actually one of the most quoted analysts on Wall Street, appearing multiple times on CNBC, and she was frequently quoted in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and much more. She's currently an independent consultant who reviews investment ideas for a high net worth family and who is also brought in to train new hires at major Wall Street banks such as Goldman Sachs and Bank of America. And in addition, she teaches executive courses at Columbia University and the Wharton School of Business. She recently launched MillieMoney.com to teach investing to new investors, especially to millennials. Today, I'm privileged to welcome Shelly Lombard to America Meditating Radio. So excited to talk with you, Shelley. Welcome to the air.
2: Thank you. Good morning. It's, I'm glad to be here.
0: Now, do you have any time with your busy lifestyle to actually meditate?
2: <laughs> um, very little, um, but I do. Um, I have very I little time, but I usually do it in the morning, um, okay. you know, as I'm getting up in the morning to kind of center and ground my day.
0: Right. But one of the things, haven't you found that when you love what you do, it's a meditation?
2: Yes, that's absolutely true, and so when I'm moving into a period where I'm really loving what I do, but you still need that, you know, that time in the morning, just kind of get yourself centered before your day starts, and so I do do that in the morning, you know, I pray, I meditate, I think about what I'm going to do that day, and I'm thankful, I try to remember to be grateful, because when you're in the middle of building something, you know, it's sometimes... It's hard to remember where you started a year ago, and it's, it's easy to get stressed about everything that needs to be done. And so one of the things that I need to get bad, better at is during that period where I'm trying to get grounded, I'm praying, I'm meditating, is to remember to be more thankful for how far I've come.
0: Well, that's a, that's a form of meditation, isn't it, Shelley? Because if we are ungrateful and we're stuck in the negative and the dark, that's where the peacelessness comes in. And one of the things that I've advocated and am a big, big promoter of is to not define meditation as a sitting there and doing nothing thing, but it's a rather that when you are walking and moving around to check, where are your thoughts? Are you appreciative? Are you open to divine guidance? Are you allowing those creative thoughts to enter into your mind so that you can keep moving your story forward? So I'm a big, big advocate for really looking at meditation from a different Einstein. Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, it's easier too, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Than sitting there and emptying your mind. (laughs) Yeah, it is easier.
0: You know, when a lot of people come to the Meditation Museum, they expect to sit there and think nothing, and I go, you're in the wrong place. you got to think about your finance, your relationships, your, your health, your mental state, and that's what this game is about. Shelley, just for our audience to get to learn more about you, how did all of this start? How did you actually get into this whole dimension of being interested in finance, and in particular in Wall Street?
2: Sure. So I was a journalism major undergrad, and I graduated from college and I became a writer. Um, But I lived in New Orleans. They weren't, I love New Orleans, but not a lot of, you know, great job opportunities. I was married, and my husband and I were just really scraping by. We lived in an apartment that was about $150 a month, and that was cheap rent even then. Um, (laughs) And you can imagine what that apartment looked like. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we were young trying to make ends meet, and I thought, you know what, I don't want to do this forever. You know, I'd like to have just be a little bit more financially secure rather than living from paycheck to paycheck. And when I was in undergrad, At college, even though I was a journalism major, I also took a class in accounting and a class in economics, and I actually liked them. So I decided to go back to business school and um, major in, in finance, and I did. It was a real struggle for me because everybody else there had worked on Wall Street, they'd graduated from undergrad, gone to Wall Street, and then come back to business school, and so they knew a lot more than I did. So I was really out of my element. I cried a lot of days, but I stuck (laughs) to it, and it really just opened up a whole new world for me. Oh, that's so great.
0: What was it like, um, let's say, between the ages of 5 to 18? What was it like growing up for you? What was your environment like? What was your family like?
2: Yeah, I had a pretty comfortable growing up. Um, my Both my parents were teachers. And so, you know, at that time, you know, teaching was kind of a middle class, a solidly middle class, maybe even upper middle class environment. You know, I grew up in the 60s. And so, you know, I had a household where both parents had master's degrees. It was pretty, you know, focus was on education. And we were pretty comfortable. We didn't have everything we wanted, but I had everything I needed. So it wasn't a struggle growing up. um, So I really wasn't focused on money. I wanted to do things like travel, etc. But, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a background where we really struggled with money a lot. There wasn't an abundance of it, but we had everything we needed.
0: Beautiful to hear. In our country, you know, we've gotten such an interesting, I don't know, brand. uh, We're stereotyped as if we're not supposed to, you know, people with beautiful complexion are not supposed to really excel in certain specific areas. And so when folks hear that, you know, we come from specific backgrounds and we're leading the way and chartering the way in which um, we're not expected to, it inspires such a huge amount of younger kids who are just saying, I can do it too. So I'm I'm always very inspired by individuals who are just living beyond their capacity. You know, they're just really doing the work inside out and, and making a big difference. And a lot of times it comes from just where, you know, what we've been through and where we've come from that gives us that drive in life. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, my siblings and I often discuss what did my parents do to give us such drive. And mm-hmm. I think it was having enough but not having too much so you know we didn't go on a lot of family vacations we had very small things that we would drive to you know we lived in new orleans and there was a big amusement park in in texas and so one you know during the summer vacation one year we drove to this amusement park called astral world and we stayed in a hotel and we went to the amusement park so it was having a taste of different things, but not having so much that, you know, it became to be routine. And so as I grew up, I knew I wanted for my kids to have an environment where they could travel and they were comfortable. You know, they had – you know, they had exposure to things like traveling and maybe traveling out of the country. I had never traveled out of the country until I graduated from grad school, and I was, you know, close to 30. I was in my 20s and close to 30 before I ever stepped foot out of the United States. And so I knew that there was more, and I wanted that more, but my my background wasn't underprivileged. It It was just enough for me to be comfortable but to deposit in me a desire to have a little bit more than what I had.
0: Beautiful. So let's go into the stock market. And I know my producer found you because she loves to, you know, she, she's very interested in the stocks. There are some of us who aren't so familiar with the market. And, and I know that it's soaring now and it seems to be doing exceptionally well. But in simplistic language for maybe somebody who has some extra money and, and really wants to make some investments and, and feel like they're getting a piece of the pie, too. Let's start with explaining very simplistically, really, what is a stock?
2: Okay. So, a stock is an ownership interest. So, when you own a stock, you own a tiny bit of that company. You're entitled to vote on things like who's on the board of directors. Um, you know, because you only own one share, maybe, you, you know, your vote doesn't count a whole lot, but you are actually one of the owners of the company and you're entitled to earnings from that company. You may get them in two ways. Either they, the company gives a dividend, so if the company earns, you know, $3 that year for every share, stock of a share of stock that they have outstanding, they may pay out a dividend of $1 per share. Or the fact that the company made money that year will just make the stock price go up and you will benefit that way. So one of the easier ways to think about it is, mean I often try to explain to people the difference between bonds and stocks. It's kind of think of a company as a house. The mortgage on the house is the bonds. So somebody has loaned you money to basically start this company or buy this house. They don't have an ownership interest. You just owe them, you know, interest every, you know, month, and then they get paid back at the end. So they don't have a lot of risk, but they don't have a lot of reward. That's a bond. If you own the equity in the house, it's the same thing as owning the stock or the equity in a company. you have ownership in it. management in terms of a company controls what the company does day to day, whether they expand into India, you know whether they develop a new product, etc. but you as one of the owners, you have a vote over the on the board of the directors who's overseeing management, and you also participate in the you share in the profits so when you own a house and you own the equity in the house if the the value of that house goes up, either because you've renovated it or because, you know, something happened in that neighborhood, a new school, et cetera. The value of the house goes up. As an equity owner, you get the benefit of that. That's the same thing for a, uh, owning stock in a company. If Apple decides to issue a new iPhone and it's it's doing really well and selling really well, your stock in Apple will go up or Apple will make money and they will pay you a dividend. So owning a stock is owning a very tiny portion of the company and you benefit when the company does well. Vice versa, your stock will go down if the company doesn't do well. But that's different from a bond. A bond, you have limited risk but you have limited upside. A stock, theoretically, you are part owner, and you have a lot of upside if the company does well.
0: All right, lovely, very clear. And so let's say there are so many houses. In other words, so many companies are out there available. How can someone actually decide which one to buy into?
2: Okay, good, excellent question. So, one of the things I would say for beginning investors is to focus on mutual funds. So, mutual funds same thing similar to exchange traded funds and we explain this on the site the site is really a content site where you can go and watch quick videos that explain these different you know terms but what i would say is for beginning investors rather than try to pick individual stocks you should maybe think about an exchange traded fund or a mutual fund now what is a mutual fund a mutual fund is when investors invest mutually you decide what type of stock you want but the professional portfolio manager which particular companies to put the money into so for example you can go to any number of mutual fund companies Vanguard Fidelity you know Raymond James etc and decide um, you know what I want to put money into tech stocks you put your money in a professional money manager called a portfolio manager decides which specific tech companies to buy they may like Google but not like Apple they may like Facebook but they may not like Netflix and so you you decide what type of stock it may be a large cap stock small cap stock value stock tech stock emerging market stock healthcare stock you put your money into that fund and and the fund manager picks the particular stocks. In terms of buying individual stocks, that's probably the second step, where you say, I'm going to you know, take a look at individual companies. So one of the things we plan to do on the site is have uh, professional uh, analysts, the kind of thing that I used to be, the kind of person that I used to be, come on and give you the pros and cons of Tesla. People always want to ask me about Tesla and should they buy Tesla. Um, Of course, everyone should buy Tesla.
0: It's helping with the environment.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know what, I don't know from a valuation perspective whether you should buy Tesla or not, but the, the story is certainly interesting. They have some operating issues, getting those cars actually out the door, but... At any rate, what we hope to have, we won't cover every stock, but we'll probably cover, you know, the biggest, most popular ones. And so you'll be able to access a video, you know, frequently where you have, where I'm asking questions, like you're asking questions of me, but I'm asking questions of professionals who focus on analyzing Tesla. And we'll be able to say, look, this is what you look for. I like Tesla for these reasons. And you can make your own decision. But that's when you're buying individual stocks. I would start out, if I'm a new investor, with a mutual fund or exchange-traded fund, and both of those things we explain. We have videos that explain what they are on the site.
0: I know it's simple for you.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like me teaching people meditation. I'm like, oh, this is all you have to do, and they look at me like blank, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but let's look at, um, you know, you're starting with MillieMoney.com, and you have began this company or this business to help individuals to learn more about best investment or or powers of investing. So give us a little insight into MilliMoney.com and what can individuals expect from it.
2: Okay. So what we want to do is introduce A new, introduce beginning investors to investing, people who are interested in it. So we want to start with the basics. So we'll have a video up next week called How to Get Started. One of the things you want to start immediately is not necessarily investing, but building an emergency fund. So in other words, you want, to put, you want to have a couple of months of living expenses in the bank. So before you start dabbling in the stock market and buying Tesla, etc., you want to have a couple of you know, months of living expenses in the bank in an emergency fund. That's number one. And we can give you some ideas of what you, to put your emergency money into. You don't put it into tech stocks because Tesla's going to go up and down based on whatever Elon Musk is saying that day. But there are other places <laughs> – and put your emergency money into that will keep it safe so that if you get into a car wreck or you get laid off from your job, it's worth what it was when you put it in, in there. And then secondly, I would start focusing on your retirement. So what you should do is if you have a 401k plan at work, start contributing to that and get the employer match because a lot of employers will match whatever you put in if you are self-employed like a lot of people are like I am now you want to open a self-employment IRA and you can do that at you can do that at fidelity.com you can do it at vanguard.com etc but you need to start building those basics what we help you to do is one tell you where to put your emergency money so that it's worth what it was when you put it in. That's not the money that you want to put into the market and see it go up and down every day. And we help you figure out what to put your 401K money in or your self-employed IRA money into, what kind of mutual funds, what kind of stocks to put them in. That's where most people start investing is for their retirement. So you get when you, you know, employed and you get they'll hand you and you sign up for a 401K or you open a SEP IRA, a self-employment IRA – they'll hand you a form or you see online all the different kinds of funds that you can put your money into. We can help you figure out, you know, what is a large cap fund? What's a medium cap fund? What's a blue chip fund? What's a tech fund? And so we will help you kind of wade through that. Mm. Our videos will tell you what to do. Lastly, then after you get those two bases covered, you can start focusing on just investing in the market just for fun or profit. There's a saying that if you You don't figure out how to make money while you sleep. You'll be working until you die. And so, you know, people talk about investing in real estate or a side hustle or something like that. Everybody's not cut out to do that. They may not have the money to start flipping houses or they may not have the energy for a side hustle, but everybody can start generating passive income in the market. So separate and apart. From my 401K and my self-employment IRA, I invest in the market. I take extra money. I have an emergency fund. I have a self-employment IRA and a 401K, all of which are invested in mutual funds. And then I have some stocks that I just do for fun. That's step three. So think of it as a three-legged stool, emergency fund, retirement funds, and then just investing in the market for fun and some extra income.
0: Right. I guess that takes away the stress because a lot of people tend to feel sort of um, an- anxious or overwhelmed when they think of investing in the stock. And I think perhaps they're going in with the consciousness or the attitude, you know, I might lose. You know, what if I lose this? And I don't think that's a good way to go into anything if you feel that way.
2: I was just going to no, address the loss. One so of the definitely. things I want to say is, you know, buying stocks is one of the few things that you can buy that you – there's a good chance it's going to be worth more in five years than it is now. So for Christmas this year, instead of giving my kids gadgets, although, you know, they're gadget people, they love, you know, iPads, they love <laughs> tablets, et cetera, I know that no matter, you know, how nice a tablet or the new f- phone is – it's going to be worthless in five years. It'll probably be worthless in two years. It's definitely going to be worth less than I would. But nobody stresses about buying those. We sail into the Apple store, you know, we buy that iPad, we buy that phone, we buy that Xbox, and we don't think about the fact that it's not going to be worth anything in five years. But we stress about stocks. So I totally understand why it's stressful because you don't understand it and you can't really control it. And it's not in your hands every day like an iPhone is, and you can't really use it. But – uh, you know, $500, I put a, um, money into a mobile trading account for them, and so they. I taught them to buy some stocks. And so putting that money in, there is a good chance that that money will be worth more in five years than it is now, whereas I know if I had bought them a gadget or something like that or clothing, it definitely was going to be worthless in five years. So think about it that way because I think that takes some of the fear out of it.
0: Can I tell you that's the greatest takeaway I've heard all year. (laughs) That is such a no. That is such a fantastic idea. And it's so spot on. What are your thoughts about penny stocks? Are they still a good investment or is it just a waste of time or it's just it's what it is, pennies?
2: Yeah, I'm not a fan of penny stocks. So you have two different you have stocks that got beaten up and they dropped down into your cheap territory, their dollar $2, and then you have stocks that were issued as penny stocks. Penny stocks are not stocks that do not trade on the stock exchange. There are a couple of different stock exchanges and penny stocks don't trade on an exchange. They trade by what's called appointment. So it's almost like real estate. I have stock in this company that nobody's ever heard of. In order for me to sell it, I just can't pick up the phone and call a broker. I have to find someone who actually owns it. So penny stocks, that's different from a stock that, you know, was traded at $20 and it got beaten up and now it's $1.20. A penny stock is the stock of a company that got issued at 50 cents or $0.75. It's a really cheap stock, and it was issued that way. It's always been trading like that. Those don't tend to be very what we call liquid, and by liquid I mean you can't easily sell them. So if you need the money, your broker or whoever you're working with is going to have to go out and find somebody who wants it. You can't just pick up the phone and do a trade. Uh, The other thing is because they don't trade on an exchange, exchanges like the stock exchange, the um, New York Stock Exchange, require companies that are listed on the exchange to publish their financial statements so you know how the company is doing with a penny stock they don't trade on the exchange so nobody is requiring them to put out financial statements there's no transparency so you don't really know enough about the company to make educated decisions so i'm not a fan of penny stocks Uh, there's a video of me online um, talking about Wolf of Wall Street and explaining what a penny stock is. It's not on Millie money. It's just if you Google Shelley Lombard and penny stocks, it's just on YouTube. And so I'm not a fan of penny stocks. I would much rather put my money into something, one, that's traded on the stock exchange, and, two, they are required to file you know, regular financial statements, so I actually know what I'm, I'm buying. I know how they did last quarter. Right.
0: right, gotcha, gotcha. Makes sense. So looking at the African-American narrative, we're finally getting a chance to be seen more in movies rather than just playing a specific part, which I don't want to mention, but we're being depicted as heroes, superheroes, corporate leaders, presidents of countries, which we were, but we just never were shown at that larger level. I've noticed that there aren't A lot of African Americans, you know, or even women or maybe the millennials, for example, they're not really investing in the market. Is it because of a lack of knowledge or is it just that they don't feel secure about it? What are your thoughts?
2: Probably both. It's probably a lack of knowledge and also, you know, it's not something you can control so back to that iphone example you know and i don't have anything against iphones i have one but you know unlike that your money that you pay for that iphone is actually in your hand or those you know red bottom shoes that you buy and they're actually in your closet you know when you put money into the stock market it feels like whoa you know where did this go what i would say is i think that's changing a little but slowly so for example you know there's been a lot of discussion you know about kobe Bryant since his untimely death and you know one of the things that I've noticed about professional athletes now, Kobe Bryant, there was a big Forbes article on Kevin Durant, about how they're actively investing, not necessarily in the stock market, although I'm sure they do that too, but they're investing in new companies. So that's the kind of investing you can do when you know, you're worth you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's nice to see some of our, the high-profile people in our community become active in creating wealth. Look, I would like to leave my kids something other than a stack of bills, And so I think, you know, as long as you have, there's a saying, you have money in your head but not in your heart, you know, I think that learning to invest and stretching out into that is something that we can do. I think there are more of us than we think. I go to, I went for the first time to a conference called FinCon, and it's uh, about people, it's for people who are in the financial services industry and who are entrepreneurs in that industry. And a lot of them are doing things like, you know, telling people how to pay down debt. So they're personal finance experts. How do you pay down debt? How do you save for college? How do you pay down, you know, your student loans, et cetera? And I was surprised at the percentage of African Americans there were there. I was shocked. Lovely, it, Lovely I to hear Yeah, it was probably 30%, maybe 40% of the people who were there were African-Americans who are in the financial industry. They may not be like me from Wall Street, but their expertise is paying down debt or their expertise is saving for college. And so we're there. It's just, I don't say it's a well-kept secret. I don't think it's a secret, but we're getting there.
0: Good. Glad to hear that. I think that the opportunities that, have been taken away from a particular group of individuals in this country, if they could just keep gaining the information and the knowledge about it, then we can bypass so many of those restrictions that have been imposed, whether they were mentally imposed first, but then environmentally imposed, that we can definitely rise above it. You know, we often hear this expression called uh, passive income, Have you heard about that? And if so, can you explain a little bit more about what it is and maybe why is it so important for us to understand?
2: Right. So when I talked about the three-legged stool, emergency savings, and that's only, you know, a couple of months, and we have a blog post on how much you should have in emergency savings. And then the second leg is kind of retirement income, you know, where you're putting that into your 401K or your self-employed, you know, IRA. And then the third leg is kind of passive investing. And so, you know, passive investing, I, I love the quote, like if you don't figure out how to make money while you sleep, you're going to be working until you die. And, and if you love what you do, maybe that's not a problem. But, you know, a lot of us would like to get to the point where we don't have to do anything and we can travel and spend time with family. You know, I'm 80 years old. I'm not, but, you know, when I get to 80 years old, et cetera. So passive investing is when you're investing in something and you're essentially making money while you sleep. So that could be flipping houses that could be a side hustle not where you're actually doing something but where you are putting up content and you're making money from it. So you created a film and, you know, and it's it's selling, you know, and so while you're sleeping it's selling in China and it's selling in India and so you're making money. Everybody can't do that, but everybody can invest in the market. So, for example, a couple years ago I bought Home Depot stock you know, the housing market was roaring back. People were buying houses, not to flip them necessarily, but to live in them. And, you know, where's the first place you go when you buy a house? You know, Home Depot. I think I bought Home Depot at $45 a share. It's like $200-something a share, $235. So I've made 10 dollars $15,000 on Home Depot. I didn't do anything. That money, I was making that money while I slept. That was passive income, so I didn't have to show up anywhere. I didn't have to punch a clock. I didn't have to break a sweat. That stock was just going (laughs) up. So that's an example of passive income. That's something where I didn't have to show up to earn it. And so your money that's growing in your 401K or your SEP IRA, that's passive income, but it's nice to have, like, my Home Depot is something I have in addition to that other stuff. And so that's the stuff that could fund a vacation. That's something that could, you know, my, I have an elderly mom who um, is early stages of Alzheimer's, and so she lives in New Orleans. I live in New Jersey, and so sometimes I have to get on a plane and go there. And so I want income not tied up in my retirement fund, not necessarily out of my, you know, emergency savings, but, you know, where I can say, look, I've got money. I can hop on a plane and go to New Orleans because she needs me. And so that's passive income. It's income that you're making basically while you sleep, that you don't have to do anything to earn. You put the money in and you're earning the income.
0: Lovely. Beautiful.
2: We always like things easy, don't we, Shelly?
0: Like well, we all do. want to be sleeping yeah. and knowing that the, the zeros are adding at the end of our numbers,
2: right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and you know what? Every stock that you buy is not going to go up. But, you know, if you're careful, if you watch it, and you also have to invest for the long term. So, you know, Warren Buffett, who is probably the most famous investor ever, talks about not mistaking volatility for risk. So sometimes the stock market will go up and down, just like the housing market did in 2007, 2006. You know, housing prices plummeted. Uh, My house was worth, you know, 40% less than what it was before. But that didn't mean my house was necessarily worth 40%. That was volatility. That was not risk. So the market came back. And so that's the same thing with the stock market. Because it's going up and down, that doesn't mean your individual investment became riskier. So you really should invest with a long-term view. The time when you sell is when the story has changed. So, for example, my husband worked for the New York Times for years, and he was an employee, obviously, and they, they got a chance to buy stock at a discount. So we had a lot of New York Times stock, and I think it got up to $50 a share. Well, everybody kind of knows what happened with newspapers. You know, nobody is. People are not reading them like they used to. They're reading them online, but the the business model has changed, and a lot of newspapers have gone under. And so that was a stock that we probably should have sold because the story changed. So unless the story changes and the view of the company changes dramatically, you should invest for the long term, and that takes some of the the fear out of it. So I've had that Home Depot stock probably for 7 years now, maybe something like that. And so, you know, unless something really changes, I'm going to stay in it. Now, it probably is not going to double, you know, in the next couple of years because it's gone from 40 to over $200 a share. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with the company, nice, solid company, you know, interest rates are still low, people are still buying houses, I'm going to stay in it. So investing for the long term kind of takes some of the anxiety out of it. You kind of put it there and forget it, and you just kind of pay attention to the story. Unless it's something like the New York Times where the whole business is, you know, changed, then you just kind of keep investing in good companies and you hold on to it.
0: So we come to a close, and thank you for all the information. I'm sure everyone who's tuning in has the appreciated what you've left them as a gift. There's a lot of conversation about the market now, about how well it's doing. Do you consider that it really is doing very well? And um, what are your thoughts about the way the market is moving right now?
2: Yeah, so the market's been doing very, very well. It's on basically a tear. It's just been going up and up and up. So, you know, some of my Home Depot, some of the other, you know, good, good purchases that I've made is not because I'm a genius. The market is just going up. So, you know, a rising tide, as they say, lifts all boats. But I, what I would say is if the market is paused for a correction – meaning it will go down, you know, 10% or more, for millennials, that's an opportunity to buy. You know, I, like everybody else, was paralyzed in 2006, 2007 when the market collapsed. I was so fearful. The good thing I did, I did not take my money out, but the, what I didn't do was take advantage and buy stuff. So the people who jumped it in and bought... Down deep, yeah, in 2006, 2007, they made money. I didn't make money. I just held on to what I had, and it came up, and now it's beyond that. So I think one of the couple of things that millennials, advantages that millennials have is If the market does go down, it's a huge buying opportunity. It won't necessarily be good for people like me who are, you know, closing in on retirement. And so, you know, you don't want to see your money go down, you know, 10, 20, let alone 40%. But if I'm a millennial, look, Amazon stock is trading at $1,800, $1,900 a share, People were able to buy that at four or five hundred dollars a share. You know, I doubt it will get back there again. But if it got to a thousand a share, twelve hundred a share, maybe it's a time to jump in and buy. And so that's an advantage that millennials. It will hurt those of us who are closing in on retirement, but it's an advantage for millennials. And one of the things I will mention as we close is two apps. We do not, you know, represent them. We, you know, get any money for repping them or anything like that. But I just think they're helpful. Acorns is a mobile app that you can use to save as little as $5, I think it's $5 a week, that you can put aside and they will invest it for you in index funds. And so it's just nice to build that discipline even if it's a little amount of money. The other thing that you can do with Acorns is round up. So if you go out and you buy something, you know, you buy your, your morning coffee from Starbucks and it's 4.39, they will take that other, what, $0.61 cents and invest it for you. They'll, put, they'll actually take that $0.61 cents and they'll start to accumulate it for you. So my daughter, who's a millennial, uh, turned me on to Acorns, and it's amazing how fast that spare change adds up. So Acorns is one. And then if you are interested in the market, you're at that point where you're at the third leg in the stool, You don't have to call a broker anymore. There are apps, mobile trading apps. There's Robinhood. There's Doe, uh, whose CEO is actually African-American. There's another one called M1. There's one called Stash. There's one called Stockpile. Basically, you can buy stock from your bed. You can go on. It's commission-free. I've Uh done it. That's what I did for my kids was open them a mobile trading account. You link it to your bank account. You put a little money in it, and then you can buy stocks. And what we hope to do with our platform is give people, one, information on how to pick a stock, how to decide which stocks to buy, and information on specific stocks. Some of that is available on the Doe platform, on the Robin Hood platform, where they actual, it actually explain to you why you should buy Tesla or what to think about when you buy Tesla or Netflix, et cetera. And so that's a huge advantage that millennials have that we didn't have, things like Acorns, Robin Hood, Doe, where you can actually either save money or learn to buy stocks. And so I bought my kids. I opened them a mobile trading account, and my son bought a share of Lululemon. And my daughter's still trying to figure out what she wants to buy, but that's a huge advantage, and I would open that, and if the market crashes, you know you can go on and maybe pick up Amazon. You know uh, one last thing, a lot of them allow you to buy fractional shares, so you may not have enough money to buy a whole share of Amazon. But with a hundred dollars, you can buy a tenth of a share of Amazon, or you know, a twentieth of a share of, of Amazon. And so that's something that's available to people on the mobile trading apps that wasn't available ten years ago or five years ago.
0: Right. Wow. Well, you have left us with such a well wow of information and and content. So thank you so much. So. Are you doing any speaking
2: engagements?
0: How do our listeners get in touch, get involved with what you have just helped them to understand?
2: Okay, well, go on and subscribe to MillieMoney.com. That's M I L L E, like the first part of Millennial, M I L L E, money.com. It's free. We're a content site. And what we want to do is encourage people one, tell people you're your own money hero. You've got to kind of save yourself. And then two, that investing is for everyone. So we have videos not by me, but I've written all the scripts and used my knowledge. We have videos by people who look like everybody: women, you know, uh, black people, you know, people with locks, people you know with no hair, etc. I saw
0: that. I saw that. I like had, that though. I like that a lot.
2: Yeah, investors look like you. And so, yes. go on to Millie Money. There are videos about what's a large cap fund, what's a dividend, what's a bond fund, et cetera. And we really encourage you to email us, contact us, and if you want a video about something, let us know. The videos are all brief, they're not 10 minutes long, they're two or three minutes long. And we explain a concept. So you can just search and say, what's a blue chip fund? And you can find a video that explains that. And if you don't see one, email us and we'll put one together. So it's an educational site. In the next phase of it, we'll be talking about specific stocks. And we also have a bunch of videos that we'll be putting up soon from personal finance experts. A lot of people are struggling with debt, etc. And we have, I'm not a personal finance expert, but we have some tips from personal finance experts on how to control your shopping habits. It, how to you know pay down that student loan debt so it's really three things it's all the different terms that you need so if you get your 401k statement you sign up for the first time you're like what the heck is all of this what is a large cap fund we can explain that we'll have the tips from personal finance experts and then we'll also have the videos about specific stocks so just subscribe and we'll send you the videos as they come up or you can go to millimoney.com and look at them and it's all free
0: Beautiful. Shelley, thank you so much for the richness of your wisdom and, um, It's just great. I would love to be able to maybe invite you to offering sometimes on occasion some segments of, you know, financial advice for our community that's listening in. Because I think it could just help people to take away the emotional and mental strain of sometimes not having enough. And after having this conversation with you, you girl, you got lots of information. (laughs) I think that you'd be (laughs) awesome. So I'll definitely keep in touch. And thank you so, so much. And um, all the very best in everything that you're doing.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Mm, Take good care. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.
0: So I hope you all were able to hold some of that information in. I like the way that Shelley broke down, you know, the difference between a stock and a bond, and it was so clear in terms of how we need to look at monies and stuff. And, uh, again, something we didn't really touch on, and maybe we can get her back to talk about it, but it's also the energy behind money, which I think might have come up, Very briefly at the end of our conversation about how to be able to manage it to not put yourself too much in debt. But you know, maybe we already have enough and we don't really need to spend as much as we do. And so to think from that concept. So if you want some more information on Shelley Lombard, please go to Millie M I L L E Money, M O N E Y dot com. That's Millie Money M I L L E money.com for more information remember no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission and we really are here to love each other the same so let's do that and remember let's do our traffic control which is to pause every hour on the hour to generate your own personal peace for the self for 30 seconds and to generate that peace in the environment here's kristen hoffman between the veils take care everyone